Welcome to Pulse Check. I'm Dan Diamond. We are recording this on Thursday afternoon, and there is one story dominating the news in Washington, the coronavirus outbreak. There are more than 81,000 confirmed cases of coronavirus around the world in nearly 40 countries. Overwhelmingly, those cases are in China, but there have been concerning spreads of the virus in countries like Italy and South Korea. Meanwhile, there are 60 cases of coronavirus currently confirmed in the United States. But it's important to clarify, about three quarters of those cases were linked to a cruise ship that had been quarantined off the coast of Japan. But one case, reported Wednesday night, had an unknown origin, and public health officials are scrambling to figure out where that case came from and if there are more. Public health officials are deeply concerned about coronavirus for several reasons. But one is the mortality rate, the death rate, at the epicenter of the outbreak in Hubei Province, China, where the city of Wuhan is located, the death rate for people who contracted coronavirus was somewhere between 2 and 4%. So to put that another way, for every 100 people that they confirmed had the virus, 2 to 4 died. Part of that was hospital staff, medical workers were overwhelmed by the surge in cases. They didn't realize what they were dealing with. There's no cure, no vaccine. Outside the epicenter in Hubei Province, where coronavirus initially spread slower, the death rate does appear to be much lower. It might be below 1%. But that's still much higher than something like the flu, which goes around the world, infects thousands, millions of people, but the death rate is 0.1%, which would mean that coronavirus could be 20 times as deadly as the flu. Another factor that has public health officials so worried the virus still remains largely mysterious in how it's transmitted or whether it even recurs. There appears to be evidence that people who aren't showing any symptoms or don't test positive for coronavirus can still spread it. But about 8 in 10 people may not see much of an effect at all. Here in the States, a CDC official this week warned that coronavirus transmission is effectively inevitable. She encouraged businesses, schools, others to just start planning ahead and prepare for the reality that we might be in our homes, practicing social distancing, and adopting new behaviors to try and ward off transmission of this disease. As the outbreak potentially threatens the United States, I think there's a political story and a health story. Let's start with the political one. About a month ago, President Donald Trump appointed a task force to tackle the emerging coronavirus outbreak. That task force immediately moved to bring back hundreds of Americans who were at the coronavirus epicenter in China, flying them back, putting them in quarantines. The task force also instituted travel restrictions. It took other steps intended to guard the United States while offering to help with the outbreak in China. Now, some of the players on that task force, they're familiar to listeners of this podcast, Health and Human Services Secretary Alex Azar, who was leading the task force. Tony Fauci, the top government scientist who appeared on the podcast a few months ago, involved in fighting infectious disease. And then domestic policy chief Joe Grogan. He hasn't been on the podcast, but we've talked about him a lot. But it's not just the players who would be familiar to podcast listeners. I think some of the fights would be familiar, too. Azar and Grogan's shops feuded over how much emergency funding to even request from Congress to fight coronavirus. That's a story we scooped last weekend. And those fights had consequences. Alongside my colleague Nancy Cook, I reported Wednesday the White House was unhappy with Azar, and considering a coronavirus czar who would oversee the effort, much like a man named Ron Klain, a Joe Biden ally, 
oversaw the Ebola outbreak in 2014 for the Obama administration. Now, Azar got asked directly about this in Congress, where he was testifying on Wednesday morning by Representative Rosa DeLauro. I don't put much stock in anonymous sources in Politico. Well, anyway, we'll we'll see what happens. And the White House knocked down the story to telling reporters there was no truth to it. But hours later, President Trump announced that there was a new leader of the response, Vice President Mike Pence. I'm going to be announcing... uh, exactly right now, that I'm going to be putting our Vice President, Mike Pence, in charge. And Mike will be working with the professionals, doctors, and everybody else that's working. The team is is brilliant. I spent a lot of time with the team over the last couple of weeks, but they're totally brilliant. By Thursday, Pence was moving to take control of coronavirus efforts, requiring all communication to go through him, raising concerns that the White House might move to stamp out warnings from the CDC and other public health officials if they fear it could threaten President Trump's re-election or somehow panic the economy. And meanwhile, Trump and Pence did install another new leader of the coronavirus efforts, Deborah Burks, but they're calling her job a coordinator, not a czar, to be clear. It's a story we'll continue to watch closely, but just as important as the politics, if not more so, is the science. And my colleague David Lim will help walk us through that. David, thank you for joining the podcast. Thanks for having me, Dan. A week ago, you broke a story. Problems with CDC coronavirus tests delay expanded U.S. screening. Can you explain what you found? That's right, Dan. Uh, Really what I found was that many of the public health labs that are being sent this test to detect the coronavirus by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention during quality checks really discovered that one of the components of that test uh, wasn't working as intended, and only three of them were able to test for the coronavirus. And even for those, positive results were still going to have to be confirmed by CDC headquarters in Atlanta. So let me make sure I understand this. There are public health labs all over the country, 100 public health labs. Only three of them were confident in the CDC testing, and they still had to send the results to the Atlanta headquarters of the CDC to get them confirmed. That's correct. So every single state in the country has one of these public health labs as well as major cities throughout the country. So if CDC headquarters can do the testing, what's the problem? Why not just send all possible coronavirus case specimens down to the headquarters? So the challenge is really time. So when a patient comes through the doors at an emergency room at a given hospital, Right now, that specimen needs to be collected and eventually sent to the CDC to confirm that they actually have the coronavirus. That means that these hospitals are waiting a day, maybe more, to find out if these cases are positive. So it's delaying the entire response, and it's also hampering the ability to perhaps test more people because the situation has been stretched out. That's correct. Explain how CDC bungled the test. Was this something that could have been predicted? Was it a logistic issue, a medical issue? So CDC will really say that they rushed out these tests. They sent them out very quickly, and I think that's fair to say. However, during quality checks, which is an important thing to do for this type of test where it gets sent out quickly, um, they were finding inconclusive results on one of what are called reagents, which is a component of that diagnostic used as a negative control. Okay, sorry. Explain that to me like I don't know anything about healthcare. Reagents, diagnostic control? 
it's a component of the test that's used to screen for the coronavirus was delivering inconclusive results during quality checks. Now, it's important to note that these tests were not used for real live cases of suspected coronavirus. It was during quality checks where this issue was discovered. And where are we now with getting these tests online around the country? So there have been several developments in the past 24 hours. Um, It's a little bit unclear right now how many labs are up and running around the country. However, Secretary Azar has said that at least 12 labs are up and running for sure. 12 out of 100, so only 12% of the lab capacity. Uh, I think that's pretty fair to say. It's a little bit unclear, too, if those 12 are actually all actively checking cases. So according to my reporting, Public health labs say that there are really only six states that have uh, labs up and running. It's unclear if that means that there are multiple labs in each state or some of the labs actually are concerned about the test and don't want to be screening. Wednesday night, we learned of the first case of unknown origin of confirmed coronavirus in the United States. And what that means is the other cases could be traced back to either someone who had been in China was the spouse of someone who is in China, had been on the cruise ship, the Diamond Princess, where coronavirus infection spread. This patient in California, still unclear how that person got coronavirus. But what was clear, hospital workers had wanted to test this patient for days, could not get the ability to do so. Why? That's correct. From the reporting that some people on our team have done, Uh, It indicates that the CDC itself said that they weren't allowed to screen because they did not meet the testing criteria that CDC has laid out, which really limits the test use to those who have been to China or who have uh, been next to a confirmed case of the virus. CDC, in limiting who can be tested, is that because they just don't have enough tests available right now? I think that's an open question. How concerned should we be, David, that there was a patient in this California hospital who was not tested for days, and there may have been workers, while taking precautions, unsure whether this was a coronavirus uh, case. My understanding is that those healthcare workers are being monitored themselves at this point. Um, I don't know if that means that they're being placed in quarantine exactly. Um, as to how worried we should be, public health officials, including the president, have maintained that the risk to the United States is low. However, some CDC officials have said that it's not a matter of if, but when, and that it's inevitable that there is going to be spread in the United States. To what extent is hard to say at this point in time. Is there downside, potentially, of coronavirus tests that have been rushed to the market that may not be fully operational, giving false positives and creating further alarm and wasted chasing because we don't necessarily have reliable screening? That's definitely something that the Food and Drug Administration is concerned about. In response to one of the stories that I wrote, individual public health labs have wanted to create their own in-house version of the coronavirus test. However, FDA has maintained that these tests, by statute, that means by law, need to be validated by these labs, evidence that these labs actually have a test that works. As we're talking on Thursday afternoon, the responsibility of rolling out these tests does lie with CDC, ultimately. I reported on Wednesday about CDC Director Robert Redfield, who is in charge of the agency, has run it for a couple years. Scrutiny on him has risen given the challenges with the tests, the decision to keep Americans on a cruise ship off the coast of Japan. Part of that was a Japanese health department decision, but there were folks in the U.S. government who really wanted to bring those Americans home faster or at least get CDC officials over there inspecting the situation. They, They did not do that. So there has been some skepticism and scrutiny of 
what CDC has done and whether they're doing it right. I'm curious, as one of our reporters who is really focused on public health, FDA, CDC, where do you see this story going in the coming days? That's a really hard question to answer, I think, at this point in time. This is a rapidly developing situation, as I think public health officials have laid out. What they're clearly trying to make sure is that we don't have bad information coming into public health authorities at this point in time. However, we are seeing other countries, such as South Korea and China, conduct massive amounts of screening in comparison to our country, um, which some people have raised as a big question mark for this administration. You don't know how big the problem is until you look for it, is what I've been told. That's correct. And we might not be doing enough looking. Readers who are interested in this evolving story should follow David and read his work. David, thank you so much for joining Politico Pulse Check. Thanks again for having me, Dan. Thanks to David Lim, my colleague who joined to talk about the CDC and its lab tests, and producer Annie Reese, senior producer Jenny Ahmed, and Politico's head of podcasts and audio, Irene Noguchi. You can find links to what we talked about in the show notes. You can rate and review Politico Pulse Check on your favorite podcast players. And we'll be back with a new episode very soon.